of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello and welcome to episode 20. I am Mosh and I'm here all by myself for the third week in a row because these dweebs keep leaving me hanging every week. But you know what? You got to get it done. So here we go. Right off the bat, big time, Call of Duty 2020. So next year's Call of Duty is in upheaval as Treyarch takes over and plans Black Ops 5. This is from Jason Schreier of Kotaku. He's the one that broke this. Next year's Call of Duty has gone through a major upheaval as publisher Activision informed developers this week that studios Raven and Sledgehammer, which had until now led the project, will no longer be in charge. Instead, according to three people familiar with ongoings at the companies, Treyarch will now lead the development on a new Black Ops for 2020. It's a significant shift for Activision's massive first-person shooter franchise, which is one of the most lucrative video game series on the planet. Every fall for the past 15 years, Activision has put out a new Call of Duty game, supported by a stable of different developers who rotated duties as required. Since 2012, Activision has followed a three-year development cycle for its three lead studios, Infinity Ward, Treyarch, and Sledgehammer Games. For 2020, Activision had originally switched things up, assigning the Wisconsin-based support studio Raven to take a leadership role alongside Sledgehammer to make a Call of Duty game set during the Cold War likely involving Vietnam. As of very recently, that's changed. Now Treyarch, based in Santa Monica, California, is in charge of leading Call of Duty Black Ops 5 for 2020. According to those briefed on the overhaul, Treyarch will take creative leadership on this new Black Ops, while Raven and Sledgehammer will serve as support studios for the game, transforming the work they've done on their own single-player story mode into a campaign for Black Ops 5, which will also be set during the Cold War. It will likely be a cross-gen game to coincide with the launch of the next PlayStation and Xbox, which are also expected in the fall of 2020. What this means is that rather than getting three years to make their next game after Black Ops 4, Treyarch will have just two. Some at the company say they're not pleased about that and are already bracing for brutal overtime hours like they faced last year on Black Ops 4. Others have told Kotaku they're excited about the change as they've had a solid game plan that isn't likely to change drastically unlike their last two projects. We'll have more to share about Treyarch and the development of Black Ops 4 in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about the development of Black Ops 4 too and why Vonderhaar was taking off multiplayer, so maybe they should talk about that. This news comes during a strange time for Activision and Call of Duty. Although Black Ops 4 sold well at first, we've heard that it hasn't quite had the revenue tail that Activision's bean counters were hoping to see. Internally, Activision executives have started to talk about embracing free-to-play as a revenue model. Once Anathema to the publisher and three sources say are looking into offering a free-to-play component for this year's new Modern Warfare, although the specifics may not be finalized yet. Some within Activision have remained resistant to the idea. I mean, that has to be about our way out, like what else could possibly be free-to-play? The past year has also been rough for the San Francisco-based Sledgehammer. In February 2018, Kotaku broke the news that Sledgehammer's co-founders, Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield, had left the studio. Although Activision spun it as a promotion, saying they'd take on new executive duties, it was very clearly an ousting, and the two quietly exited shortly afterwards. Earlier this year, Condry started a new Silicon Valley studio with the publisher 2K, where he's recruited dozens of Sledgehammer staff. The studio has been hemorrhaging employees over the past few months, much to the dismay of those who remain. One primary reason behind this Call of Duty upheaval, according to two people familiar with happenings at Activision, 
is the tension between Sledgehammer and Raven, whose staff are said to have argued frequently during the past year of development on Call of Duty 2020. Two people familiar with the project described it as a mess. Now both studios will serve as support for Treyarch as the publisher prepares to release Black Ops 5. Activision declined to comment. And then Charlie Intel added a little bit more to this. This will be the first time that Treyarch is making a Call of Duty game in the two year development cycle since the release of Black Ops 2 back in 2012. Yes indeed, yes indeed, yes indeed. Since then, Treyarch's Black Ops 3 and Black Ops 4 have been created in a three-year development cycle. Sledgehammer Games has been having a rocky time the last year, with co-founders Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield departing the company in 2018. The new studio leadership is under Aaron Howen. It was not clear what the studio planned to make after Call of Duty World War II season, with the co-founders departing. Michael Condry has reportedly been recruiting Sledgehammer Games developers to his new 2K studio, and many developers have been leaving Sledgehammer Games over the past year. Developers still at Sledgehammer have been shocked by the amount of developers leaving. Sledgehammer Games not releasing a fully-fledged title for 2020 will be the first time the studio has missed three-year release since 2014. Sledgehammer Games was founded in 2009 as an Activision-owned studio and started their journey as co-developers of Call of Duty. Modern Warfare 3 back in 2011 with Infinity Ward. After that, Activision transitioned Call of Duty to a three-year development cycle with Sledgehammer Games, Treyarch, and Infinity Ward as the lead developers, rotating through the cycles. Sledgehammer released Call of Duty Advanced Warfare in 2014 and Call of Duty World War II in 2017. If this is the case, next year we will see a new Call of Duty Black Ops game, marking the fifth title in the sub-series. Activision has not confirmed this info and did not issue a statement. So yeah, next year's Call of Duty was supposed to be co-developed by Raven and Sledgehammer, and it sounds like Raven was taking, you know, most of the development, and Sledgehammer was helping them out. And a lot of us think Raven deserves to have their own title in the Call of Duty franchise, because they've been supporting and helping these studios for quite some years. So it's like, you know, maybe give them a shot so they can make their own Call of Duty, right? Well, it sounds like that's what they were trying to do, but Sledgehammer and them don't seem to be getting along very well, and now Treyarch has to step in and be like, I guess we're in control. Now, Jason has been a really good source on things, like usually a lot of the things he says turn out to be true, and he flat out said in that Kotaku article, Black Ops 5. And I don't think he would just say that if he didn't have it on very good authority that it was anything other than Black Ops 5. Now I think that seems kind of quick because he said that the studios just found out about this this past week. So they are, they've just found out about it and they've already decided like yeah it's Black Ops 5. It seems a little quick but I mean if he's saying it then I feel like there has to be some truth to it. Also we already know more about next year's Call of Duty than this year's. <laughs> we know it's going to be apparently Black Ops 5. It's going to be set during the Cold War with parts of Vietnam in it. The good thing about that is Black Ops 1 is the closest to that time frame, and that means no specialists, which is... Mm, thank you. Also, in my opinion, Treyarch works the best when they're under pressure on a two-year development cycle. We had World at War, then we had Black Ops 1, then we had Black Ops 2. Hoo-wee! I think Affinity Ward does as well, because then we had Call of Duty 4, and Modern Warfare 2, and Modern Warfare 3. I think they work better on a two-year cycle. I was never a fan of the three-year cycle. I know it helps them out, like, take stress off them. I get that, but... I mean, Black Ops 2 is my favorite Call of Duty multiplayer-wise, so that's why I'm like... When they mentioned that the last time, or the last game Treyarch made on a two-year cycle was Black Ops 2, I was like, mm, if you could just replicate that, we're going to be good. 
The other thing to think about is, does it really need to be Black Ops 5? I know they said they already have like the story worked on and all that for next year's Call of Duty, but next year's also the 10 year anniversary of Black Ops 1, and I feel like it deserves a remaster. I feel like Black Ops 2 deserves a remaster as well. What if they just remastered Black Ops 1 and 2 and bundled them together and released it? A bundle of Black Ops 1 and 2 remastered would sell more copies than Black Ops 5. It just would. And if Activision is so greedy, like people say they are, then surely this should be an option. But apparently it's Black Ops 5, so I don't know. Another question I have is, is Sledgehammer Games going to get axed? Like, are they just going to be done with Call of Duty now? Is Activision going to take them off? Say, hey, we're going to move you to this other game, or we're going to have you make your own IP. Like, are they done? I'm not saying get axed like they shut the studio down and a bunch of people lose their jobs. I don't, I don't want that to happen. Like, that's not cool. I'm just saying getting axed from Call of Duty. But then again, Activision did fire all those people earlier this year, so it's not entirely out of question. What is the future now? Because, okay, we have Infinity Ward this year. We have Treyarch again next year. So does that mean Infinity Ward is back in 2021? And are we just back on a two-year cycle, or are we going to switch back to three-year? Does Raven and Sledgehammer get another chance in 2021? What is the future of Call of Duty right now? And the thing about Sledgehammer is I'm pretty sure right before they started working on World War II, I think they moved into a new studio, like a bigger one. And like everything seemed to be going good. They had their new logo, like they were rebranded. They're ready for like this big new future. And now like everyone's leaving. Their studio's in shambles. They're fighting with Raven. And now they're support instead of a lead developer. Like it just doesn't look good. The future of Sledgehammer games looks grim. And I personally don't think Sledgehammer will be the lead developer on a Call of Duty ever again. I think World War II was it. Advanced Warfare sucked. World War II sucked. The gameplay sucked. The map sucked. The games were just not good. Sledgehammer was never good at making Call of Duty. And now with all this happening, I just, I don't see Activision putting them back in the lead developer role again. Either they're going to stay support like they were with Modern Warfare 3, or they get put on a different game, or they get shut down. Which again, I hope does not happen. And if Treyarch and all of them just found out about this this past week, then what does that mean for Black Ops 4? Like, all of a sudden they just got this new game thrown in their lap, and it's like they gotta start working on that. So, I think updates for Black Ops 4 are gonna be pretty lackluster, you know? Like, surely they have their Days of Summer thing already, like, planned out. It's done, it's good to go, they're ready for that. But after that, you're probably not gonna see much support for Black Ops 4 now. Because they gotta put all hands on deck for this new game, because Raven Sledgehammer can't get along with each other. So my guess for the future of this franchise is Infinity Ward this year, which we already know. Treyarch next year, which we already know, but in 2021, I think Activision will give all their trust into Raven Software to make their own game. And then Raven will be put into the fold, we go back on a three-year dev cycle, and that's that. Infinity War, Treyarch, Raven, and then either Sledgehammer support or something else happens to them. The biggest thing about all this, in my opinion, though, is the fact that there ain't gonna be no specialists in next year's Call of Duty. I say that now, and then there's probably going to be specialists, but <laughs> please, please. Worst thing to happen to Call of Duty are specialists. Treyarch, stop. And put Von Hart back in charge of multiplayer, you dweebs. Next up, we have Sony and Microsoft collaborating for the next gen. That is correct. Sony and Microsoft to explore strategic partnership. Companies to collaborate on new cloud-based solutions for gaming experiences 
and AI solutions. So this is coming from Microsoft.com, so it is about as legit as it gets. Sony Corporation and Microsoft Corp announced on Thursday that the two companies will partner on new innovations to enhance customer experiences in their direct-to-consumer entertainment platforms and AI solutions. Under the Memorandum of Understanding signed by the parties, the two companies will explore joint development of future cloud solutions in Microsoft Azure to support their respective game and content streaming services. In addition, the two companies will explore the use of current Microsoft Azure data center-based solutions for Sony's game and content streaming services. By working together, the companies aim to deliver more enhanced entertainment experiences for their worldwide customers. These efforts will also include building better development platforms for the content creator community. As part of the Memorandum of Understanding, Sony and Microsoft will also explore collaboration in the new areas of semiconductors and AI. For semiconductors, this includes potential joint development of new intelligent image sensor solutions. By integrating Sony's cutting-edge image sensors with Microsoft's Azure AI technology in a hybrid manner across cloud and edge, as well as solutions that leverage Sony's semiconductors and Microsoft Cloud technology, the companies aim to provide enhanced capabilities for enterprise customers. In terms of AI, the parties will explore incorporation of Microsoft's advanced AI platform and tools in Sony consumer products to provide highly intuitive and user-friendly AI experiences. Sony is a creative entertainment company with a solid foundation of technology, we collaborate closely with a multitude of content creators that capture the imagination of people around the world, and through our cutting-edge technology, we provide the tools to bring their dreams and vision to reality, said Kenichiro Yoshida, president and CEO of Sony. PlayStation itself came about through the integration of creativity and technology. Our mission is to seamlessly evolve this platform as one that continues to deliver the best and most immersive entertainment experiences together with a cloud environment that ensures the best possible experience anytime, anywhere. And there is hair in my mouth. For many years, Microsoft has been a key business partner for us, though of course the two companies have also been competing in some areas. I believe that our joint development of future cloud solutions will contribute greatly to the advancement of interactive content. Additionally, I hope that in areas of semiconductors and AI, leveraging each company's cutting-edge technology in a mutually complementary way will lead to the creation of new value for society. Sony has always been a leader in both entertainment and technology, and the collaboration we announced today builds on this history of innovation, said Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft. Our partnership brings the power of Azure and Azure AI to Sony, to deliver new gaming and entertainment experiences for customers. Going forward, the two companies will share additional information when available. So yeah, I don't know if I said Azure right. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but whatever. Anyway, they're going to be helping each other out a little bit with some uh, technology and also with cloud gaming. Sounds like they're going to join forces and really help each other out with that for the next gen, which is cool. It's cool to see companies like this work together. And also, this is bad news for Google. <laughs> Because they announced their Stadia cloud thing and, you know, they're just entering into the gaming world. Sony and Microsoft have had their foot in the gaming world for a while. And if they're going to join forces and try to figure this cloud gaming thing out together, that, to me that just says it's bad news for Google. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this cloud gaming thing all kind of comes about going forward. 
and really just how available it's going to be because we don't know how much internet it's going to take we don't know about like input lag we don't know the price because i doubt it's free i don't think something like that's going to be free so like it's it's cool thought being able to like play your games anywhere on any device but you know i think sony and microsoft helping each other out with it though will really benefit gamers like they're gonna come to a some sort of conclusion that's gonna work out for everyone I can only see good things coming out of this partnership that they've uh, made, so it's cool. It's a, it's a bright future for gaming. So there's a new update to Red Dead Online this past week. I'm not going to read this entire article because I'm tired of reading articles. <laughs> but I'm just going to go over some of the things they added. So they took Red Dead Online out of beta. It's no longer in beta, which is cool. They added some new story missions. They added some more free roam activities. They added poker. They added new clothing. They added like a poncho and some... Think some other hats i will read a little bit though it says a massive thank you to everyone who participated during the beta period your feedback has been instrumental in helping us fine-tune the game so far with many of your suggestions implemented in today's update which was last week and we will continue to implement more of your feedback in future updates to come this is just the beginning the future of red dead online not only includes continued improvements to the core elements of the world to make every aspect of the game fun for all kinds of players but also brand new experiences that establish a deeper, more immersive connection to the world and your character. I'm just going to go over some of the other new additions before we get to the future of it. So they added a couple new playing styles. So if you go in your uh, player menu, there will be offensive or defensive that you can choose from. So the offensive playing style is set as the default and is how most players traditionally interact in free roam. Free to engage in hostile contact with other players if you are prepared to accept the potential consequences. The defensive playing style is for those players who would rather explore the world in free roam than engage in conflict with others, and it's designed to let other players know that you don't want to tangle with them, as well as minimize opportunities for griefing. At the same time, defensive players will not be altered to PvP free roam missions and cannot be pulled into them while in defensive mode, allowing them to go about their business as freely as possible. Players in defensive mode will be indicated by a shield icon, will take reduced damage from enemy players, cannot be lassoed, melee attacked, or executed, and cannot be auto-aimed. Defensive players will also be excluded from being targeted in PvP-related missions, such as player assassination. Those who attack defensive players receive hefty penalties via the hostility system, while players who initiate conflict while in defensive mode will be instantly pulled out of defensive mode and also receive similar hostility penalties. The hostility system. The hostility system tracks aggressive behavior across both playing styles, making hostile players visible to others and helping to balance the needs of players who want to get away from others who habitually attack or kill during unstructured free roam gameplay. As before, player blips change color, beginning dark blue and tra transitioning to red as their hostile play persists. A bright red blip indicates an enemy, while today's up with today's update, players will never receive hostility or bounty increases for defending themselves against a player who is blipped as an enemy, or for killing high hostility players. If a player attacks another player, they will not be marked as an enemy to everyone, but rather to the attacked player only, who will not receive a penalty for firing back. You can view your current hostility level through the player menu. As you become more hostile, you become more visible on other players' radars at longer distances and will respawn further and further away from your point of death. At the highest level of hostility, you will respawn in a different region. 
Hostility increases do not apply within structured events such as free roam events, free roam missions, showdowns, and races. Engaging in PvP behaviors related to free roam missions will not incur hostility increases while in the offensive playing style. However, attacking other players not engaged in the activity will cause your hostility level to rise. And I did a bunch of balancing stuff and a bunch of other little tweaks and stuff. I'll put a link to this in the description if you want to read all of the stuff they changed. It says all PS4 players will see new early access content coming soon. This week they're going to be adding some more missions, more showdown modes, more PvP, unfortunately. I wish they'd add PvE. For the love of God, add PvE stuff. I'm not talking about just story missions because I don't want to play story missions over and over because you make less money every time you do. Just give us PvE missions, modes, whatever. Because they always keep talking about this griefing in this game and people just constantly killing each other. It's like, yeah, because you only have PvP modes. You are teaching people to kill each other. And then you wonder why people keep killing each other. Like, come on, Rockstar. It's not rocket science. This is the last thing I want to go over. So it's coming this summer to Red Dead Online. With the foundation of Red Dead Online now established, future updates will offer new ways to fully inhabit your character as you progress in multiple roles and carve out your own place on the frontier. Starting this summer, players will be able to take on the first of three of a series of new roles. Track down wanted criminals as a bounty hunter, search the world for treasure and other exotic items to sell as a collector, or build a business at camp as a trader, and more. Each new role will come with a range of unique gameplay along with a host of new outfits, weapons, and other rewards to earn. Players will have the option to focus on a specific role to advance quickly and unlock each role's unique attributes, or simultaneously progress across multiple roles as you play naturally to create your own unique character and path through the frontier. So basically they're going to add in like three classes or three well, what they said, roles. You can be a bounty hunter, a trader, or a collector, and you get different stuff as you play as them. Clothing, weapons, different missions, different gameplay. And you can play one at a time, or you can play all of them at the same time. But it, if you play them all at the same time, it's going to take longer to get through them. If you focus on one, you can breeze through it. If you want to do all and just, you know, experience everything at once, then it'll take a little bit longer, but you're probably having more fun. But it says it's coming this summer. So I've played the update since this happened last week. And I will say online is better. Online is not just magically fixed. It still needs a lot of work. A lot of stuff needs to be added. But it is better. Now with this update coming in the summer with these new roles, I think that's when we're really going to figure out like what Red Dead Online is. I think that's when the foundation is going to be laid out and we'll get a better idea of what Rockstar is trying to do. And hopefully that's the update that really you know makes people want to play online because you know when i want to play a game i'm not just sitting there like you know what i really want to play red dead online right now because i don't i force myself to play it so i can level up and get the stupid trophy so i can platinum the game but i want to actually play it i want you know that urge to play it and right now the urge doesn't exist so i mean it's going to take time to get there but hopefully rockstar is on the right path next up we have minecraft <laughs> Uh, so, Minecraft is celebrating its 10-year birthday, which, happy birthday, Minecraft. You are now older than your fan base. But, along with the announcement that the game is 10 years old, they reveal that Minecraft is now the best-selling game of all time. It passed Tetris in sales. So, I wanted to go over some of the best-selling games of all time because I think there's some stuff worth pointing out here that I find interesting. So, number one is now Minecraft. Tetris is now number two. Grand Theft Auto V is three. Wii Sports is number four. And I think 
Wii Sports was sold with every Wii, and they count that as a sale, which I think is cheap. I don't think that's fair. If a game comes with a console, it shouldn't count as a sale. <laughs> but whatever. Number five on the list, PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, is the fifth best-selling game of all time. I didn't even know that. I didn't think it was even close to the top five, but here we are. I'm not going through this whole list because there's too many. According to this list, Skyrim and Diablo 3 are tied in sales. That's interesting. Uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is the second best-selling Grand Theft Auto. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is the best-selling Call of Duty with Black Ops 1 right behind it. Like, literally right behind it on the list. They're right next to each other. Red Dead Redemption 2 has sold more copies in its, what, like seven months of release than Modern Warfare 2 has in its ten years. And Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, and Yellow are the best-selling Pokemon games. Alright, let's start talking about it. Let's get into Slipknot, my favorite band. They released their brand new song, Unsainted, last week, last Thursday, May 16th. Good God. Is it a phenomenal song? I'm very, very pleased with it. So they also announced the name of the album, which is We Are Not Your Kind. comes out August 9th. Some people have an issue with the name of it. I don't. The name of the album is what they've been saying the fans are for years. They say their fans are like outcasts. They don't really fit in with society. They don't latch on to trendy things. That's what the album title is. It's not referring to the band. It's referring to the fans. It's saying like, we are not your kind of people. But that doesn't sound good as a title, so they took the of people off of it. Like, it's referring to, you know, all these people that just latch on to trends and do all the cool hip things, right? Like, we're saying we are not your kind of people we don't fit in with you we don't understand you you don't understand us that's all it is but then they named their album that and people are like mm, uh, yeah i don't really like that and they should have named it six. Oh yeah because that's real original name your sixth album six because how many bands have done that how many bands have named their fifth album five and their tenth album ten and their thirteenth album thirteen a ton of them you know many bands have named their album we are not your kind one also slipknot fans make me like really irritated <laughs> I can't be on their subreddit for like more than two minutes or something's like sets me off. Like it kills me to say it, but they're like pretty much the juggalos of metal and good God. Also that subreddit, the mods on there are trash. You need to get some new mods on there. Make me a mod. I'd clean that place up real quick. So the track listing, first song is called Insert Coin, which the first track on all the albums is always an intro. So I doubt this will be any different. The name of it's interesting though, insert coin. So my first thought was like an arcade machine. Are we about to play a game? Like, you know, which will lead right into Unsainted. Next song is Birth of the Cruel, which Corey, the vocalist teased on Instagram last year. He had a piece of paper and he was writing the lyrics and like his hand, a pen and like a mug were covering a lot of it. But at the top it says Birth of, and it's covered. We now know it's the Cruel. And you can see some of the lyrics, but obviously a lot of it's blocked out. Anyway, next is Death Because of Death, Nero Forte, Critical Darling, Liar's Funeral, Red Flag, What's Next, Spiders, Orphan, My Pain, Not Long for This World, and last but not least, Solway Firth. I don't like the fact that they named the song Spiders, but watch it be my favorite song on the album. Also interesting having a song called Liar's Funeral because the whole thing, the thing I was talking about last week, whether it was publicity stunt or not, is one of the members named Chris, he was suing the band for reasons and 
you know, people were looking into it saying, oh, this is, it's a publicity stunt. They're doing this on purpose. It's for marketing. So that's why I was waiting for this music video to be released because it was going to show everyone in it. And if Chris was in it, then we knew that it was all a setup. He was not in it. It's not a setup. It's real. But anyway, the mask he wore was called a liar's mask. It's called Liar's Funeral. Does that have anything to do with him? No, because this album was written before he exited the band. I just thought it was interesting. Also, a lot of these song titles don't seem like Slipknot song titles. The other interesting thing to point out is the last track, Solway Firth. I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up, and it's the border between England and Scotland. And the band's from Iowa, so they have no relation to that area. I'm not sure why they named a song that. Plus, it's the last song on the album. But I guess there was some myth about, like, the Solway Firth Spaceman, because I guess there was a picture taken in, I think, the 60s. A guy took a picture of his daughter, and behind her, you can see, like, an astronaut. He's like, I, it wasn't there when I took the picture, blah, blah, blah. But it was later debunked that it was just the dude's wife, like, looking the other way. So it was, like, the back of her head and her dress, and it just looked like an astronaut. I don't know. I know Corey's in the, like, paranormal stuff, but since that was pretty much debunked, I don't think he'd write a song about it. So that's probably the song I'm actually looking forward to the most, just because of how bizarre it is. Anyway, let's get into the new song unsainted this song gives me uh dyslexia because i keep wanting to say unstained but it's unsainted it's really good i i have two complaints one the name because again it gives me dyslexia and two at the very end there's feedback that occurs and it's too loud like it's way too loud it just pierces your ears so if you listen to the song loudly just beware at the end like turn it down remove headphones earbuds whatever I don't know why it's so loud, like, it's a high-frequency sound, it doesn't need to be turned up in the mix, it could be turned down, it'll steer, still pierce through any, everything, I can't talk anymore, but it doesn't have to pierce through everything, because it's the only sound happening at that time, so I don't know why it's so loud. I also saw some people saying that the song was a little generic, what? It was generic and they need to do something new, what? There's female vocals at the beginning, and during the last chorus. They've never had female vocals on a song before. I don't know if it's one female and they have her vocals layered or if it's like an actual choir. There's also a male choir as well or it's one dude with layered vocals. That's doing something new. This band never has people outside of the band do any work on their songs. Vocals, instruments, nothing. Ever since Corey has joined the band, he's done all of the vocals. Sings, screams, except for maybe gang vocals. Maybe some of the other guys step in. But other than that, it's always Corey. So to have people outside of the band do vocals, that's doing something new. Also, I'm tired of people saying it sounds like a Stone Sour song. It doesn't. Well, because Corey sings. There's some melody. Yeah, guess what? He's been doing that in this band for over 20 years. It's what he does. It's nothing new. This song has everything you could expect from Slipknot in it. Everything. I also don't know why people thought this song was going to be heavier. Uh, it wasn't. should have been obvious that this was going to be a more radio song because that is what they do. Or that is what they do with videos where they show themselves in it. Every Slipknot video, except for the first album, but since the second album onward, every video that shows the band in it, that is a directed video with no live footage, no live concert footage put in, just the band, directed video, has been for a radio song. Their second album came out in 2001. They've been doing this for 18 years. It ain't nothing new. What was that song off the second album, Iowa? Left Behind. It was a radio song. Again, with the exception of the first album. So second album, Left Behind, radio song. Third album, volume three, the subliminal verses, duality, radio song. Vermilion, 
Radio Song. Before I forget, Radio Song. Fourth album, All Hope Is Gone. Sulfur, Radio Song. Psychosocial, Radio Song. Dead Memories, Radio Song. Snuff, Radio Song. Only Corey was in the Snuff music video. Fifth album, Point Five The Grey Chapter. Devil and I, Radio Song. Kill Pop, Radio Song. The negative one had a music video, but the band members were not in it. And 19, or they referred to as XX, also had a video, band members were not in it. Again, directed videos with band members in it. This was going to be a directed video with band members in it because they were teasing the new masks. It was going to be a radio song. Corey was going to sing on it. <laughs> it actually got to number one trending on YouTube, which was really cool. I took a screenshot of that because, you know, everyone says rock and metal's dead. Well, they went number one on YouTube, so it's a pretty cool moment for them. They showed off the new masks. Last week I said this could be their best masks yet because of the teasers. I'm going to go ahead and take that back. <laughs> this is not their best masks yet. Uh, some of them are cool, but I think Jay, the drummer, I think his is kind of a nod to Paul, who was the bassist that passed away back in 2010. It's not exactly like Paul's mask, but there's definitely like, there's some nods in it, which is cool because Jay grew up with Slipknot pretty much being his favorite band. Like there's a video of him backstage at a concert when he was a kid and his dad was talking to Jim, who's the guitarist, and Jay standing behind his dad, completely dressed up as Corey. And, you know, fast forward a few years and now he's playing drums for them. So it's really cool. I love that that happened for him. But yeah, some of these new masks are a little... Mm, mm. Sid's mask is basically just his face in mask form on his own face. Corey's mask is pretty much see-through and he just does face paint under it, which... I mean, I think it'll grow on me. I think part of the problem is we can't see his neck. Like, he was wearing a lot of clothing during the video and the Jimmy Kimmel performance. Like he has like this trench coat on or whatever. He has this scarf that he pulls down around his neck and it just looks like he's wearing a neck brace again, like he did after his neck surgery. So there's no way he's gonna dress like that during the summer shows cause it's gonna be way too hot. So I think once he like removes some of the clothing and like experiments more with the face paint, it'll look a lot better. A lot of the masks didn't change. Craig's pretty much the same, just kind of changed the length of the spikes. Jim's is the same, just changed the black part around his eye a little bit makes pretty much the same i mean some of the guys don't really change up much but whatever it, the masks don't really they're not a big deal to me i listen to them for the music i don't care about image well i care about the image a little bit but not as much as other people and then the live performance the next day on jimmy kimmel they premiered unsainted and all out life for the first time i thought they did really good oh the other thing about the new song i think Corey sounds great i think his vocals are the best he's ever sounded. His singing, his screaming. I know a lot of people want him to go back to the screaming from the first two albums. It's not happening. Corey didn't scream in music before he joined Slipknot. He started screaming when he joined. So those first two albums, it's a lot more raw. It's a lot more like emotional. He's matured as a person and a vocalist since then. And he probably does more proper technique. He also stopped smoking a few years ago, which also helps with his voice. So his voice is gonna change a little bit. His lungs are gonna be way more happy probably has better breath control i think he sounds phenomenal and if he's going to sound like this on the rest of the album we are in for a treat okay back to the live stuff so i thought the live performance was really good i'm just going to talk about Corey because they showed one song on jimmy kimmel but they played a second which is on his youtube channel and this is where his like mask and clothing get involved the dude was sweating you can see sweat dripping from his mask this is the second song in it's not even summer yet He's sweating. The face paint's already coming off. It's like, man. 
you got to figure this out before the summer tour because if the face paint's coming off on the second song like what's the point yeah again i thought they did well for what it was uh again Corey sounded great his mask allows his mouth and like jaw and chin and all that to actually move and he's not restricted i'm very pleased with everything so far i cannot wait for this album obviously this this is an event for me like when bands release new music it's like oh that's cool but like when your favorite band releases new music like every half a decade <laughs> you know it, it becomes an event like everything around in the world just stops around me it's like i'm focusing on this band on this music right now tool fans be like oh half a decade that's it i get it okay relax a sad thing did happen though on saturday the daughter of clown passed away uh, i wanted to bring something up about it though that i think is interesting now i'm not here to start conspiracy theories it's not what i'm trying to do not at all each member of the band has a number right clown is number six this is album number six and his daughter died six days before the death anniversary of paul which would be his nine year anniversary of his death so you have six 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 and then nine and there's nine members of the band so i, I just thought it was weird just a coincidence there's no conspiracy theory there's nothing evil going on i just thought i'd point that out and if I realized that, then surely Clown did, because he's in, like, a whole other world mentally. So, I'm sure he's very aware of that, which is, like, it's just weird. That's all. only reason I'm pointing it out. It is sad, though, because the guy loses family members, like, every album, except the last one. I could be wrong on this, because I haven't double-checked, but I think on the third album, he lost his dad. I think on the fourth, he lost his mom. The last one, no one. And now this one, his daughter, so just bad luck i guess and also with chris not being in the band anymore maybe he comes back sooner because i'm sure i mean these guys have known each other for over 20 years like surely chris would call clown and like give him his condolences so maybe they got to talking and they realized that hey life is worth more than any amount of money and maybe they put their differences aside and you know maybe he joins the band again i don't know that's just it's whatever anyway Love the song, love the band, obviously. And that's that. That's actually going to lead into my weekly pick, which is just the new Slipknot song, Unsainted. There'll be a music or a link to the music video in the description. So watch it, listen to it. Beware of the feedback at the end. <laughs> and yeah, I just. It's good stuff. So now on to my weird pick of the week. There is a girl in Norway that likes to run around or gallop around like a horse <laughs> i don't know what's in the water over there so i think this blew up on twitter a video of her just doing this but i have a link to her actual instagram which is underscore jump underscore to underscore the underscore stars underscore and underscore back underscore so jump to the stars underscores in between each word with one at the beginning and at the end as well. And it's just videos of her running around like a horse. I don't know. Jumping over things. It's weird. It's my weird pick. Like, weirdest thing I've seen all week. <laughs> I don't know. I wait, that's going to wrap this one up for this week. Thank you for watching, listening, whatever you do. Again, very much appreciated. And I will talk to you guys next week. Later. Later.